1: morning, or good afternoon, I suppose, good evening, whenever you might be listening to this podcast. I hope the music and prayers and reflection of this podcast will bring some sense of renewal for you today. Uh, my name is Katie Warren, and I'm one of the pastors here at St. Paul. And this week's podcast comes from what we call Transfiguration Sunday. Uh, I'm quite certain that the only time you will hear or use that word will be on this Sunday uh, once every year. It comes around each year. It serves as a kind of bridge between the time following Christmas and the Epiphany, and now we're moving into the season of Lent. So the story of Jesus' transfiguration, it's a strange one, to say the least. I'm really not sure any of us know exactly what it's supposed to mean when Jesus' face starts glowing on the top of this mountain, or why Moses and Elijah show up out of nowhere Lots and lots of people have certainly tried to figure out some sort of symbolism there or what it means for us as followers of Christ. So rather than spend too much time on that today, instead, I wanna focus on what it means to embrace change, the change we actually see happen right in front of us in this story, what it means to be willing to change ourselves. As you listen to this story, pay close attention to Peter in particular and maybe pay attention to how his perspective or response changes, even in just a few short verses of scripture. The truth is we all have an idea of what we think is right. We all have plans or perspectives that we'd rather not deviate from if we're really honest. Most of us are pretty averse to change, more than we'd like to admit sometimes. But then again, sometimes the very best thing we can do is to let ourselves grow to be influenced and shaped by others rather than resist change. God actually sets the example of what it means to embrace it. So with this transfiguration story, we have at least just one example of that being the case. So as we think about all of that, let's first listen to this unfolding of the transfiguration, which comes today from the Gospel of Mark chapter 9. It says this, Then Jesus and the disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and he led them up a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were all terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice saying, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead." Okay, so now that we've heard the story, odd as it may be, uh, let's dive into some reflections about Peter and his willingness to embrace change. Take a listen. Well, if we're honest this morning, many of us might describe ourselves, at least at times, as a little bit stubborn or maybe even bullheaded or you could describe someone else you know in a more positive light as someone who's just really determined or set in their ways. But there might be no one more deserving of such a description than a woman by the name of Edith Macefield. Edith lived in a 100-year-old farmhouse in Seattle, Washington. And back in 2006, you might have heard this story, she became a rather infamous real estate holdout. There was this five story commercial development that was set to be built right on her block and they offered her somewhere around $1 million for this 1,000 square foot house that she lived in in hopes, of course, that she would vacate it and move so they could begin building. Well, Edith let them know pretty quickly that she was not interested. Uh, She refused the money and refused to relocate Some of her extended family tried to convince her to move. A few of her old neighbors who had left the area tried to do the same. Everyone involved in the negotiations between the developers and Edith tried to get her to see what a great opportunity this could be, but to no avail. It seemed like the more people tried to talk her into it, the more she just dug her heels in. So eventually, the building project went ahead as scheduled. It went up, surrounding her house on three sides, and Edith was left with no neighbors except for a gym on one side, a UPS store on the other. She died actually about a year after the construction was complete at the age of 86, with almost nothing to her name. And to this day, the house continues to sit empty. It went into foreclosure. No one else wanted to buy it, so it sits there on Northwest 46th Street in Seattle. Now, for some, they see this house as sort of a monument to celebrating the triumph of obstinance, I suppose, her refusal to give in. There's a reason that this story made national news, this cranky old woman with her disinterest in others' opinions. It struck a chord with a lot of people but when I look at this lonely little house kind of enveloped by concrete, I can't help but wonder, was it all worth it? Not just about the money that Edith could have received, but where did her stubbornness really get her? It left her in a home she couldn't care for, isolated and with some strained relationships, with a legacy now, for better or for worse, connected to simply an unwillingness to change. Now, no matter what you might make of Edith's choices, I think we're not all that different, actually, from Edith, And at least in the sense that we face a lot of similar sorts of decisions every day, not with million-dollar offers on the table, but we get to choose every day how and When, we will let others influence us. How we'll let our perspectives shift or how we'll modify our own ways of thinkings. We decide how open we are to change. And I'm thinking about all of this this morning because of this sort of strange story that I just read for you where Jesus and Peter and James and John all of them are up on this mountaintop together and I'm just gonna be honest with you this morning, I don't know what to make of any of it. It's all a little strange. Jesus' dazzling clothes and his glowing face, I don't really think any of us know exactly what it means or what it's, we're supposed to take from it. So I'm not even gonna to try to make much sense of that part of the story anyway. Instead, I want us to focus actually on part of this story that's not actually written down. We have to kind of read between the lines just a little bit. While all of this is happening up on the mountain, we hear Peter come up with a plan. He says to Jesus, it is good for us to be here. Let's set up three houses, one for you and Moses and Elijah. We'll just stay right here on this mountain. Sounds great. Maybe he, too, had no idea what was happening, so this just seemed like the best plan to respond to all the glowing that was happening up there. But the funny thing is, at least I think, is that we don't actually hear Jesus respond to Peter. All we know is, a few verses later, Scripture says, as they were coming down the mountain. So we can conclude that somewhere between Peter saying, we need to stay right here, and the group heading back down the mountain, somewhere in there, Peter was persuaded to change course. We don't know if it took minutes or hours or longer, but he has this change of heart. Who knows who said what to Peter? But what we do know is that his, perspic- her, his perspective certainly had to shift in some way? He changed his mind. He was willing to listen to whatever it was Jesus or his friends might have said. He was open to rethinking things just enough to see that maybe there was a different way, another option that could be even better than what his plan was. There are certainly times in each of our lives where we have to stick to what we believe to take a stand on something that's significant enough that we are not willing to budge, no matter the cost. But there are so many other times where we could probably stand to listen a little bit more and speak a little less. To set aside our own perspectives or plans in order to learn from someone else's. To allow ourselves to be shaped or moved or inspired toward change. Several years ago, I led a funeral for a woman that I had never met. I really knew nothing about her. I was talking to the family a few days before the service, talking through scripture. They they basically said, you choose whatever you want for the service, but we just have one request. We'd like the closing song to be Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way. I was a little surprised, a little different than the typical requests of Beautiful Savior or How Great Thou Art. So I asked a little bit more about why this song, why that choice? And they said, oh, it was always her way or the highway. You couldn't convince her to do anything she didn't want to do. She was as stubborn as ever. So this feels like a fitting tribute to her. Well, I tried to I Steer them away from using that song at least during the worship service that maybe a visitation might be a better option. If we talked through those options. I think they truly meant it to be a kind of celebration of the personality that she was. But it seems to me a little bit of an unfortunate legacy to leave behind. I don't know what inspired or motivated this woman in her daily life. But I know that as people of faith we get to be compelled by Christ to live a life that doesn't insist on my way. In fact, it finds it to be a gift to hand over our lives entirely to God. We get to discover over and over again what it means to trust in someone other than ourselves. Our faith asks of us to be actually influenced and shaped by not only God, by all sorts of other people that we gather with every single week, outside of our own way. I think we actually see sort of the opposite kind of thing happen in the realm of politics often. A certain candidate or person can be almost vilified vilified as a a flip-flopper because they've chosen to think or vote differently about a particular issue as if that would be the worst thing in the world. When I sort of see it, that if we could hope that it would be possible that someone who represents their constituents would listen to them, that they might actually be willing to change their way of thinking, that those who engage with truth and see things from a different perspective because they're listening to another person, they hear the evidence that they simply cannot deny or dismiss. Take former South Carolina Congressman Bob Inglis as one such example. For years, Bob was an outspoken critic of uh, this movement of, uh, to stop ki- climate change. He called it a hoax. He called it a waste of our country's time and money. He championed legislation that weakened federal policies to try to stop climate change until his 18-year-old son at the time, as he was entering into his second term, he asked his dad to take a meeting with an oceanographer who studies climate change, climate patterns. He said, just listen, just go in with an open mind and listen to what he has to say. He did that and whatever it was this scientist said to him was startling enough that Inglis then asked to be on the House Science Committee he started lobbying his colleagues on both sides of the aisle to pass bills that worked toward more meaningful climate action. Maybe most importantly, he wasn't afraid to say or to talk about his change in perspective. Say, you know, I used to believe this, but I looked at the evidence, I listened to the experts, I heard the truth, I looked out my window, and I because I know differently, I need to act differently. Maybe it was facts and science that moved the needle for him. And for us as people of faith, it's the example of Jesus. That we are actually at our best when we're open-minded and willing to learn just as he was. Because we happen to believe in a God that was not afraid of change. Throughout scripture, God wrestles with Jacob God debates with Abraham, actually changes the plans. We see it here in this story that we call the transfiguration, where Jesus himself, his appearance, his very self, is changed. Jesus was transformed in that moment, but so were his friends. Peter and James and John, they were not the same people they were when they went up that mountain. Two days ago or two years ago when they met Jesus, whatever it may have been, I once heard A person put it this way. It's the most unhappy people who most fear change. So we get to be happy people, people at peace with all that happens around us because of this God who created created us to be just that, created us to be open to learning and growing and becoming a person different from who we were a year ago or five years ago or however long. Much to Edith Macefield's dismay, change might just be one of life's few constants. If we're lucky, we are always changing. Not just our surroundings, but our thinking, our perspectives, our understandings of how God is working in this world. My hope for us today is that we would follow Peter's lead a bit, to be just nimble enough to let go of my way so that we could learn from each other's, to find this joy actually in becoming someone different today than we were yesterday. Amen.
2: Step down into darkness, open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you, hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to.
1: turn now to God in prayer, speaking the words Jesus has taught us through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. I am certain you have all sorts of plans, hopes, ideas for today and well beyond. We all do. But my hope for you today is that you would also know the joy that comes from a certain open-mindedness, the ability to embrace a change in perspective. Whatever your week brings, may God bless you with a life that embraces open hearts, and open minds. Amen.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and thanks for your support of the Ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way, you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul podcast.